Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Coming up in this edition of the TV Black Box podcast, Rob McKnight sent off to anger management courses. Mulk, why the ego's out of control. Robbo, the countdown is on. When's he going to get fired? Philip Kosh, are the rumours really true? And the most beautiful woman in the world, Sarah Monaghan. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box. Who forgot me? Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hi there, I'm Ben Fordham, taking over the TV Black Box podcast. It's very nice to be joined by Rob McKnight. Rob, g'day. G'day, Ben. It's a pleasure to be on TV Black Box with you. Congratulations on everything you've done with the podcast over the last (laughs) few years. Obviously, all good things have to come to an end, right? (laughs) You're announcing, have we been axed, have we? This is the internet, Ben. No one can access. No, 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 no. no. (laughs) News flash. Anyone listening right now would understand the podcast has changed there's a brand new host ah, ben see. fordham is now hosting tv black box i've been axed well you haven't been axed <laughs> you've been sent off to anger management and i want to i want to address this because you're having too many arguments on the podcast now that's been a thing people have said actually this year i've tried to pull it back i'm trying not to get so passionate <laughs> i have a passion about tv i love your passion i have contacted you off air though just yes. to say hey you know you don't have to have the final word in every argument. <laughs> have I taken your advice? You have. I've noticed that. Mm. Because Mulk is now finally getting a final word once in a while. Once in a while? <laughs> once in a while. How is Mulk? Is he okay? Is he going to survive these changes? Uh, I think Mulk's all right. Uh, will I survive the changes, Ben? That's the big question. And then you've got Robbo. I mean, the countdown is on there. He's involved in controversies up to his eyeballs. I mean, <laughs> you, you can sense the blood is in the water on Robbo, can't you, at the moment? Well, he hosted last week's podcast Mm. and so i was downgraded to a contributor role because i was on the road coming down to see you actually yeah there's actually been great feedback about robo's last week (laughs) and philip kosh i mean for legal reasons we can't even discuss the controversy that he's mixed up in at the moment uh we just don't want to get on his wrong side because uh, he knows where the bodies are buried that's right and he can publish stuff and sarah monaghan shrimp tank i mean we just love sarah love her sarah can't put a foot wrong No, and she tries. As for the rest of you lunatics, you're all crazy. And no, this is not Ben Fordham taking over the TV Black Box podcast. It's safe. And the real version starts now. Ah, thank you, Ben. Aaron Ryan, what happened to you? Well, gorgeous people, what did happen to me? I think it's going to be a celebrity fight now between a (laughs) a B-class celebrity and an F-class celebrity. You know, he actually put you in the first intro and then he did a take two and I didn't notice that you disappeared and then uh, I'm such a bad producer I I didn't notice that he hadn't mentioned you Aaron 
Lucky you don't work at a top rating t- uh, radio station because that would be an awful uh, production fail. My apologies, my friend. It was very early in the morning. And thank you to Ben Fordham for that. I went and visited him doing his show on 2GB, his number one rating breakfast show on 2GB and it was such a machine to watch it's very very impressive but as he mentioned the team is here minus Robbo I think he needed a week off after filling in for me Sarah Monaghan <laughs> hello hello big shout out to Ben actually my social media this week showed on my you know how you have the memories that yes. his lovely wife Jody Spears and I were trending on this day like eight years ago or 12 years ago or something We've been the number Together. one and number two. Yeah, we were number one and number two trending in Melbourne for because that was it. Hmm. It was the day that Robert was sentenced. Ah, that makes sense. Yes, and, and we'll see you did. in Australia next, next week. week. I'm so excited! Yay! This is my last podcast from afar. And if there are any television shows looking for a great guest, Sarah Monaghan has the goods. So give us a call. We'll get her on. Philip, Mulk and Aaron, it's good to see you and we'll get into it because it was during this week in television history. There's always a joker in the past. Yes, it was the week back in 2002, 20 years ago, when Jane Turner and Gina Riley first graced our screens as the iconic Kath and Kim. The show ran for four seasons, spawned a television film, a feature film, and even a short-lived American remake who won three Logies and won Australia's Hearts. All right, let's get into the big news of the day. And speaking of Logies, the race for gold is officially on, with TV's Night of Nights making their big comeback next month on June 19. At a special event on the Gold Coast over the weekend, the nominations for the 2022 TV Week Logie Awards were announced. And up for the coveted gold Logie, we have Hamish Blake, Julia Morris, Carl Stefanovic, Melissa Leon, Ray Ma, Sonia Kruger and Tom Gleeson. I actually spoke to Sonia Kruger on weekends on 4BC when I was filling in for Spencer House and live at the nomination ceremony. And have a listen to this because she actually dropped some hints of why all the Gold Logie nominees were together doing a very special shoot. I'm having a great day. I can tell you that much. I'm hanging out with all these other nominees and we're doing some photo shoots and they're a really good group of people and we're all just kind of looking at each other going, this is going to be fun. Uh, You say they're a good group of people, Sonia. You will, I know you very well and I know you will backstab, you will cheat, you will lie to get that gold logie. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I'll do anything. I'll do anything. Seriously. Um, yeah, no, we, it's funny. We've just done a bit of a shoot and and, we're, and there's a thought track. So we're all kind of smiling and laughing and looking at each other. But the thought track is like totally the opposite, if you know what I mean. So I think it'll be quite funny on the night when they run that too. But but oh, seriously, I am I'm so – it's such an, an awesome group of people. And just to be in their company – and I don't want to get all weirdly, you know, sentimental and stuff on you, Rob, but after, you know, working in this business for such a long time, I just couldn't think of a better group of people to be, be with. And voting is now open, including for a brand new Silver Logie category for a most popular Australian actor or actress in international program. Bert Newton is also being honoured with an introduction, with the introduction of the Bert Newton Award for most popular presenter. Um, look, Philip. It's no TV black box awards for sure, but it is good to have the Logies back. Uh, yeah, well, two, two years uh, we haven't had the Logies, right? Mm. Um, 
uh, pandemic caused that. Uh, I know TV Week's really excited about getting back involved. I know they're not actually hosting it anymore, but they are still the major sponsor, uh, one of them. Uh, I don't know. Who, who do you think's going to win? I would really like Sonia or Julia to win. but Yeah, go the girls. I don't know. It's just going to be the Hamish Blake Award, isn't it? Uh, hard to tell because social media has played an important part. That's how Tom Gleeson got his Logie win. But I've got to say, Malk, one of the things for my mind is this Logies needs to be a ball buster. It needs to be amazing to have sustainability. We've seen international award ceremonies start to lose ratings. I've got to say that tidbit Sonia gave us there about the the little skit they're shooting sounds fun. And she also hinted there is an international performer that will blow our socks away. She was too scared to say what she's heard. But I really hope they pull off a great ceremony. I, I think we're all keen to see the Logies not just come back with a vengeance, but really reinvent itself. Here's the opportunity for it to um, grow back the audience that it's sadly lost, you know, prior to COVID. And... In part, it's been, you know, through, uh, you know, lacklustre um, presentations, lacklustre shows and, you know, dodginess about who's going to host it, what's going to go on with all of those sorts of things. There's, I, I, I hold some, some concern over the talk of skits because, uh, you know, they, they can be really great and I'm keen to see it and, and see it happen. Sometimes they all look like they needed to go past at least one writer first, and often they didn't. Oh, look, so, the Logies has always been about skits. They've always had those opening montages. They used to go, the presenter of the night would end up on every TV show and go through this whole skit. I used to love that stuff. I'm really hopeful that the fact that they're trying this kind of stuff is a really good sign. I, it actually gave me hope. Well, this is its chance, right? This is its yep. chance. You know, after two years away, a big song and dance about why the Logies are important to the Australian TV industry. Let's show it off. Let's make a big hullabaloo about it. Because honestly, if they drop the ball on this one, there's not going to be a whole lot of coming back. No. Uh, look, there's still money in it, so it'll, it might still survive, but it needs good ratings. It needs to be event television. Yeah, let's, it really let's does. Let's hope that it is. Well, they might be in the running to pinch the AFL, but 10's got serious problems when it comes to live sport. While a bid continues to be floated for a big rights partnership between 10 and Paramount Plus, the existing catalogue of sport broadcast on 10 has been lacklustre. There's concerns now that any bid to take away the AFL rights from Foxtel and Seven will be compromised after a diminishing audience has been recorded for Network 10's coverage of the A-League Soccer, the Australian Formula One Grand Prix and the Melbourne Cup. In the first year of the network's five-year $200 million deal with the A-League and W-League, the sports ratings have tanked. The regular season's matches were averaged just 86,000 viewers nationally and 65,000 in metro markets. That's according to Oztem. 10's main channel ranked 11th in audience share last Saturday night when it broadcast the A-League with even the network's own multi-channels 10 Bold and 10 Peach ranking higher. The Formula One and Melbourne Cup have only decreased year on year. Aaron, I saw this article in The Australian and I have to say I'm not convinced. The AFL is a draw card and sources are telling me one of the big things that may get 10 across the line is the ability for Network 10 and its parent company, Paramount, for international exposure. Uh, 
So if they do a global streaming rights and, and the AFL is available on Paramount Plus around the world, this is apparently, this is what I'm hearing, a very big deal to Gil McLaughlin. If I'm getting it right, I'm agreeing with you and thinking that the story is pretty much bullshit. Um, it's probably a, <laughs> it's probably a tip from a rival to turn eyes away from Paramount. I mean, AFL is AFL. Of if people want to watch, they will. They're not going to turn off in droves because people don't want to watch it on ten. Um, it's not really ten's fault that they couldn't turn around a sport. Um, you know, being the soccer, that wasn't rating well even on the ABC and SBS. That I mean, was just a bad decision from them to yeah. buy it. That was desperate. Absolutely. A shit contract, a shit sport to to, uh, to poach. Um, but, I mean, that's really got nothing to do with the, with the AFL. Um, and like you said, perhaps international uh, viewership, um, it, it could be a good deal for 10, actually. So I'm putting that story down to a little bit of rubbish. The reality is that those numbers that James Madden quotes in that article are correct. All of those big sport things that Ten have had have gone down by those amounts. Um, but has all sport gone down? I mean, Ten are dealing with yeah, smaller numbers. All sport has gone yeah. down. Um, so, but but guaranteed, Aaron, absolutely, that's been fed into by uh, hypothetically somebody that might currently have the AFL broadcast <laughs> rights. Hypothetically, um, it's it's a unique position that Ten are in, and I think it is difficult to judge how 10 will do with the AFL and, in fact, even what the audience will do without them having it full-blooded if they are indeed to get it. I, I agree. I think that 10 have a bit of a stink about them that there'll be a number of upset AFL fans if it was to go entirely, like not even with Foxtel, entirely to 10 and Paramount+. Plus. Uh, there would Why? Be What's more the than difference if you're paying for Foxtel or paying for Paramount+. Plus? Because you're already paying for Foxtel. And, you know, sports fans find benefit in the fact that they have to spend all of that money. They want to get it. They want to have the money there. Plus, Foxtel have a pretty experienced crew and deliver it, as do Seven, and Ten are untested. So they would really have to deliver some high quality, not just the games, but the content around the games, including, you know, analysis shows and all of those sorts of things that Foxtel do really, really well, having had that partnership for so long with Seven and Nine and... 10 and 7 and 7, um, uh, it, yeah, with the AFL explicitly. So it's um, 10 are up against it. But if they get it, they absolutely have to prove that they can do it. It's too difficult to forebode that they won't do well just because they haven't had it. Because how do we know? You know, Aaron's right. AFL fans will follow it if they're keen. But They used to have NRL, mate, and it rated when it was on 10 all those years ago before 9 took it. And the simple you fact... You are right about it being all those years it ago. It was 80s. It was back in the 80s, mate. Yeah, I think they had bits of it. But don't, don't forget there was a season, two seasons, where 10 and 7 shared the rights for the... Or three seasons, maybe, where they shared the rights for it. And that went look okay for them, but it what didn't hit the heights. But again, that was because they were sharing And it, they had second tier. And they didn't... Yeah, they didn't always get all of the good games. If they've got all of the games, it is a totally different story. And I'll, I'll just make one more point. The fact is, those... Um, the coverage of those games is outsourced most of the time anyway. Um they they have regular crews. There's other companies that do this. That's not going to be a problem. Sarah, do you think Americans will take an interest if, in AFL if it is available on Paramount Plus over there? Uh, yeah, maybe, because rugby's, like, hugely popular here and people actually do watch all of the, like, 
the Australian games. Um, and then I've noticed this week when I was watching, it was, I think, Paramount Plus that they were advertising all kinds of sport that had actually been on regular network TV in the US as well. So it's like they are starting to just become like your point for getting everything now. Cause I thought it was interesting that they were doing like baseball and a bunch of other sports as well. But yeah, I think people there, and there's so many expats here that are constantly trying to watch mm. like stuff from home. So I think, I think people actually will watch it. There's a burgeoning AFL league in particularly California, largely through expats, yeah. but it's gaining interest and gaining traction. And what's the best way to get any sport to get traction anywhere? It's to have the highest level of the game be yeah. broadcast and accessible. Yeah. It's just like there's cricket fields here. Anytime you see anywhere that has either a lot of Australians or a lot of Indians and Pakistanis, like Houston has like an entire cricket league. <laughs> Americans so must just cities. drive past going, what the hell is that? <laughs> A lot of them know what it is now. I mean, we really are like the new Mexicans. We're taking over. <laughs> yeah, but Houston has a problem. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Thanks very much. When it comes to streamers making money, everybody wants a piece of the pie. Now, Australia's largest telecommunication companies are asking for a payment from both streaming and social media giants in compensation for the pressure online streaming places on their infrastructure. Optus has written to the federal government's competition regulator asking it to consider a model that ensures popular video, gaming, social media and streaming companies are adequately paying telcos for the high amounts of data used by customers who use their services. The company says about 80% of the traffic on its network is being driven by gaming and streaming services, costing telcos like Optus hundreds of millions of dollars every year to keep up with demand. The request from the telco sector comes a year after the implementation of the news media bargaining code, which forces the government to regulate global tech giants such as Google so news companies are paid for use of their content on a search engine or newsfeed. Malk. I am calling bullshit on this. These telcos are charging us higher rates because we want faster internet. We want more gigabytes per month because we're using these streaming services. This is a double dip, isn't it? Yeah, this is uh, some executives wondering about how they're going to keep their ivory back scratches, um, <laughs> you know, in stock. It's Look, there is no question that the telecommunications market has become really aggressive in its competition. Lots of people are weighing in and doing stuff. And the infrastructure absolutely needs to be upgraded. Every time we get a new G, there's got to be changes and, and lifts so that we all get to actually use and benefit from ultimately the data throughput, how much, how much stuff we can shove down that pipe to get to our screens. Yes, places like our streamers, Netflix, Stan, um, you know, Prime Video here, just even in Australia, put an additional pressure on that infrastructure because of the fact that video, um, if we want to watch even half an hour of decent, you know, HD footage, you've got to have a whole bunch of um, infrastructure to make that work reliably. Because no one wants to wait and buffer and sit and go out oh, dropped out or whatever, whatever. We've all been in dodgy hotel situations where the Wi-Fi has been crap and it's watched us two hours to watch a 30-minute program because it stops and buffers and stops and buffers. Yeah, exactly. But isn't that called competition? You've got the best infrastructure. I'm going to use you because I can rely on your service. And, and companies like Netflix are making me choose you. Well, the, the challenge really is we're paying the telecommunications companies to provide us this service. Exactly. If we're doing nothing on it or we're doing heaps on it, that is a their problem. Yeah. And if their infrastructure isn't keeping up, they need to address it. If they want to um, 
and they already do, just by the way, charge us to upgrade the infrastructure, they will. Yeah. Like in Australia, we pay a higher per megabyte, per gigabyte usage than most other um, uh, countries in the world. Yeah that access mobile data in that regard. So this is not on us. And them going to the government, oh, but you need to make them pay us money to do it. Sorry, mate. <laughs> this is what we are paying you to do. I guess that they looked at South Korea, who decided to do the same thing after Squid Games was so popular, and they said that, that was chewing up all the internet. But they're completely ignoring the fact that how many data miners are out there mining Bitcoin, taking up all of the bandwidth? I mean, it's not just TV people. Well, there's a whole range of things taking up bandwidth, but the fact is I would argue that things, platforms like Netflix are forcing people to upgrade their internet, get unlimited, yeah. get faster internet because they want good streaming services. If anything, Netflix they be is supplying Netflix. a demand that the telecommunication companies are servicing and getting our dollars. The article does acknowledge that Netflix do provide compression on their signal that comes through to the individual yes. users, which helps free up bandwidth. And the others, maybe not so much. However, it's yeah, still... Yeah, if you want to know about that, just Google um, the way Netflix stream because it's actually very clever. It actually um, doesn't update the whole frame. If, if there's no change from frame to frame, it will actually hold elements of the, uh, of the signal... Um, to reduce the amount of bandwidth required. Sorry, Mark. That's all right, but that's that's part of that compression technology that they use, which actually really helps. It means that you can get your, gosh, even 4K stream to your um, uh, yeah, television easier and it, it's all functional. It's just a real challenge that here we have people who have made hand over fist money out of us for so long crying about the fact that their infrastructure isn't coping. Where's all that money been going? <laughs> yeah. All right, in the days of mobile phones, nothing is ever off the record and Sky News host Paul Murray is the latest to fall victim to a leak. While warming up the audience ahead of Paul Murray's live pub test in Brisbane last week, audio was recorded of Murray warning the crowd of the potential impending Labor government. Here's some of what he said. And, uh, and again, what about Wayne Swan the other day? Uh, screaming and moaning because, of course, the press has been too mean to Albo. Too mean to Albo. So what do you think is going to happen to a show like mine and a station like ours and views like yours if they end up in charge? That's why it matters. It's not just any old election. We heard about how Mark McGowan has a poodle-like fucking elbow. We got the mean girl, Penny Wong, pretending to, to be nice and still looking like a mean girl. We got, uh, we got elbow promising to own 40% of people's houses. How could that idea? Elbow bank. The Guardian, which published this audio, claims he also mocked transgender people and described a regular guest as a blow-up clown doll. Um, Philip Kosh, entertainment writer or writer for New Idea and Woman's Day, wouldn't the biggest story here be if he came out saying he was a big Labor lover and, you know, supported <laughs> Labor? The idea that he is mocking Labor while warming up a Sky News crowd... I'm not sure what the story is here. Oh, I think it's more of the pretty vile comments he made about transgender issues um, when women in sport, which has upset people. Look, I don't know a lot about Paul Murray. I know he has nine toes and is a Donald Trump supporter, and that's probably all I need to know about him. <laughs> uh, it's not a show I watch. I think, what, 20,000 people? 
watch Paul Murray live? A few more, but not many. Actually, Paul Murray, and, and look, declaration, I am mates with Paul Murray. I really like him as a person. Um, I obviously, uh, I, di- I don't know the transgender comments he said, so I can't speak to that. Um, but just hearing that audio, I've got to say, that just speaks to who... Paul Murray, this Sky News host, is. I don't and think he's going to back that. away from those comments at all, and nor should he really because it it is who he is. You know, it, it's the persona he puts, puts on the television every night. So What a transition. What a transition Paul Murray has made from left-leaning Triple M host to right-wing shock jock on Sky News. Back in the day, he would have absolutely railed against the exact thing that he joked about. And and here he is courting the audience. There's no question um, ahead of the, the show. I think the thing that's probably most disingenuous about that was the inference that his show and Sky News Australia will somehow be legislated out of existence should the government change. Paul Murray, get in the bin and fuck off into the sun. Quite honestly, what a load of bullshit. And, and, okay, but I would say, Aaron, views change over time. You know, maybe everything Mulk's saying is correct, but views change, don't they? Yeah, they they do. Um, but I actually thought that we didn't do spoilers on this show. Are, are you actually saying that Paul Murray and the After Darkers are Sky New- on Sky News are coalition supporters? I thought it, I thought it was a news <laughs> show. I thought that was... You know, straight down the line, finding the facts, giving equal opportunity to both sides. So I'm disappointed to hear this because I thought it was, uh, you know, in the middle somewhere. But, yeah, I mean, people do change their views. I just didn't think it was appropriate talk. I mean, you're talking to a crowd. I mean, I guess they are um, Paul Murray supporters that are there. But, I mean... They're there for Paul Murray. They know what they're getting. Yeah. I get... Pander to your audience, you know. If if your audience, what you're getting paid from is to just to one side, then you do that. And people who grow out of that and then they get paid by the other side will flip to the other side and speak that way. Yeah, it's but he doesn't speak. He doesn't economics. speak like that on air, though. Um, so you know, yeah, could, but there's a difference when cameras are off. Well, effing this, you know. does he, they swear on Sky News, do they? No, I'm saying. That when he's off air warming up a crowd, he obviously mm. thought it was okay. He's at a pub. He obviously thought it was okay to swear. Uh, I'm. It doesn't seem like any of the audience objected to that. I, I genuinely don't know what the issue is here. And regarding ratings, he when he was in the 9 o'clock slot that Piers Morgan's in, he was far out rating. He's liked by the Sky News audience. And they obviously lapped this up. Someone leaked it. I think it's fair to publish it, but to me it's a bit of a nothing story. Sky News hosts, uh, you know, what is it? Sky News host uh, does Sky News things. Yeah, exactly, you know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we talked about Logies earlier, but Music's Night of Nights is also coming back with a bang. The ARIA Awards will return to a full-scale and in-person television event in November, broadcasting nationally on Nine and streamed worldwide on YouTube. This is the fourth year in partnership between the ARIA Awards and YouTube. Free-to-air continues to struggle with these awards, Sarah. The ARIAs don't rate. I guess music's more of a worldwide thing. Like, you don't have to be just from one country. So YouTube makes sense. I mean, everything's going to YouTube now. I mean, even Screen Australia was giving money for people to make YouTube videos. It's just, it's the future and people, it's a worldwide audience and you're not constrained to just Australia. Oh, look, the the YouTube thing makes a lot of sense to me. But let's talk about, uh, Mulk, let's talk about 
Channel 9's investment in this, I really don't know what's in it for them because the Arias haven't rated for years. They And Channel 9's had so many attempts at it. But obviously, maybe it's because it creates a good relationship with the music companies. Oh, look, I definitely think there's some add-on product there, the fact that they get to develop that relationship. Again, if they're going to do this and, and pour it onto their main channel and you know turn it into a big, big show... And, and having the partnership with Google that it's then going to be broadcast in that way as well, I think there's some real benefit to them, provided they do a really good job and make it a big show. It's the Logies Mark II, right? It's, it's a broadcast that has struggled for years. The audience has been diminishing. Here is your chance to turn it into something massive. But all award shows are down. I think the difference is the Logies has broader appeal. Well, but the problem is that all award shows are down. The, the the benefit around particularly the Arias is that the audience that watches it now, particularly, is not a traditional linear broadcast audience. So presumably they'll be watching it on YouTube and not Channel 9. Well, 9 now or YouTube, yeah. I don't, I don't know the benefit for 9, except relationships, and maybe that's worth the investment. Some exclusive content goes along with that. So for the Today Show and other things. So, yeah, oh. maybe... Don't discount, don't discount the fact that Nine, in having it happen that way, are then revealing themselves to a, a, a younger audience and going, hi, we're a TV network, we're the things that your parents watch, perhaps we might have some stuff that you like on our streamer thing. Yeah, fair enough. All right, coming up, we'll unpack the latest ratings, plus there's big news for Bluey fans, and just what has everyone been watching this week? We'll find out when we open the TV Binge Box. 
Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Russell T Davies has done it again. All right, let's get to the ratings race. Even with underperforming overnight ratings for Big Brother, Team Red came out on top with another weekly win scoring 29.8% as a network. Team Blue had 27.8, 10, 16.7, ABC 16.1 and SBS 9.5. In primary channel shares, it was 7, 21.1, 9, 19.3, ABC 11.4, 10, still in fourth place at 10.3 and SBS on 5.7. 7.2 and 7Mate were the top multi-channels. 7 News beat 9 News and Sunrise beat today. With all that said, 7 as a network is now in front of 9 in total people survey year to date by the slimmest of margins, but 9 remains clearly in front in the demos. 7 and 9 have both now won 6 weeks each. And we talked about this a little earlier, but the football just isn't working for Channel 10. Saturday night ratings for the network saw it relegated to 11th place for the main channel beaten by their own multi-channels of 10 Peach and 10 Bold. And in the world of catch-up and streaming, what is now considered acceptable? Big Brother would be considered an underperformer in its debut, capturing under half a million viewers. However, it was less than 100k behind Lego Masters and MasterChef. So were those brands underperforming as well? This is the question. This is where we are in 2022. As noted last week, all those 10 polls were beaten by 7.30 and Australian Story. Total TV figures have come in and Big Brother rose by a strong 43%, bringing in total of just under a million viewers. That means it overtook MasterChef, which was on 876,000. Lego Masters' total audience was 1,060,000 viewers. Okay, Aaron, are these ratings acceptable for Big Brother? Well, I think no doubt that Big Brother underperformed in overnights. I, I don't think you can get away from that. Um, we said, though, that when MasterChef, The Voice and Lego Masters was on, the ratings would be down to like a knife edge, especially between The Voice and Lego. So to think that Big Brother is almost a million and within touching distance of Lego in total TV shows that the audience, I don't know how to put it, that I guess that is available, um, is there. Um, otherwise, we have um, we have to say that Lego and Big Brother are, are both way down on what we expected. Um, the only other thing, probably, too, when I read Mulk's um, ratings reports, you know, quite often we hear another slow night, another slow night, not much audience at all for any program, a slow Saturday night. The reality is to report on ratings in 2022, we need to take into consideration uh, total TV um, and... We're in 2022, so is 500,000 for a show acceptable um, in overnights? Um, and is that and, and that is that a good night? Um, you know. Uh, well, th- thanks for the question, Mr. Warburton. Um, <laughs> I, I think the reality <laughs> is that we've, we've got a few things at play here. Total TV, uh, sorry, total people is just about PR, nothing else. The demos the advertisers and the networks care about because that's how they sell their programs. So that's important to them and not so much to the market because to do to, to really, do most people that watch TV care, I was in the group that watched the most of whatever that thing was. Total TV is a new metric that we've had for nearly 12 months-ish um, and it's providing a much-needed boost to the PR number. That's where we're seeing and what's being reported when we look at what Total TV is. Yes, the numbers are way down for everything across the board. Even on Total TV, numbers are down if you compare those figures to overnights of even, let's let's pre-COVID, three years ago. Numbers are down. 
Like the linear broadcast model for television is in a real pickle. And rea- what, what we're seeing this year in 2022 is that news and sport and reality are not enough to resuscitate. It's interesting. I was down in Sydney last week. I met up with some really interesting people in the industry. And I can vouch, it seems more than just PR when they're talking total TV. They are putting a lot of value in catch-up and BVOD. Sure, but it's the to- it's the total people number, which is a PR number. Oh, look, that, yeah, that, it no, is. That, that, but it's on. also becoming a sales number because they're selling advertising off it now. Oh, that, th- that, but this that, is the trauma. Sorry, Aaron, just quickly. The networks have always claimed that demos are what they sell to advertisers and total people is PR. However, we know they have always used the total people number when they sell to advertisers. Always. To- total people, though, is not completely off the table the thing is stuff like love island australia when that was on had a very low total tv uh sorry a uh, total people number but was huge in the young demographic but it was so so i got more seasons but yeah but it was so small that they had to move it from 8 30 they pushed it back to 9 30 and you know 10 o'clock at night because the thing is you have to have total t- uh, total people and demos as well so just you know a show that's going to rate 1.2 million and overnight and and have a you know lower in the demos is still going to be on the air total tb that's about reaching more more australians i mean yes there's a sales thing about demos and they're just as important but writing off total tv uh, total people is just ridiculous i, I don't think mog's writing off total people well, he just says it's, it's just a pr thing it has it, it is a PR, pr thing yeah he it is a pr thing but the question now remains is it is is the is the industry being monetized off total people or demos and the the reality is a bit of column A, a bit of column B. Mm. Now, I will hear from a lot of senior figures that they always sell on demos because uh, I've had quotes like, I haven't had an advertiser who's come to me talking about total people. Yep. Okay? So I've heard that quite a few times from different people. Uh, so, yes, total people is definitely part of the um PR narrative, but it's also part of the PR narrative for advertisers because when you look like a winner, you feel like a winner. And that's why these total TV numbers have been so important to James Warburton. And I know there is definitely a push next year to only have that national figure. You raised that last week or the week before, Aaron, and that is definitely somewhere they want to go. I don't like that. I'm not a fan. I understand it's probably where it'll go, but I'll be putting up my fight and doing a few opinion articles, I'm sure about it. But the simple fact is, I do think we need to start looking at total TV mulk for the PR, but also because people are changing the way they watch TV. Big Brother fans are younger. They are not going to watch it on the linear service. So what is Seven's operandus here? Are they going just for the linear audience or are they trying to get and sell the catch-up numbers and the BVOD numbers based on people watching it via other means. There's a whole lot of intricacy that we do not have the time to go into. I agree that any network um, that is not leaning into their their uh, BVOD and catch-up services as a means of garnering extra audience have more than missed the plot. And look, 7, 9, and 10 just explicitly in the commercials are doing that. What all three of them haven't solved yet is how do we get 
more than one or the same ad repeated every ad break? Like, how do we fix the fact that we're still only getting one or two ads mm. all the time mm. when we watch it on catch-up? BVOD is different because mm. we're just getting the the live stream of what the ads are in most cases. The, the thing that we're not talking about, the elephant in the room when it comes to television, is that the 6 o'clock news is now regularly in an election cycle not getting above a million viewers. That has to well, be a concern. there is election fatigue. I genuinely believe there's election fatigue. It wasn't happening even before the election started. Uh, and that's fair. That's a real concern. We were talking about Big Brother at the start, obviously because the show just launched. But, I mean, you know, I heard the Warburton comment there. But the thing is, this applies to all the stations. I mean, Lego Masters was getting a million, a million viewers or 900,000 in, in previous. Mastership was way up. Now they're down in the 500,000s uh, each night. So the thing is... When There's I, not a huge difference between where Big Brother is and well, where Lego Masters is. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. So what, I, what I'm saying is that these, these ratings that are coming in... and. Keep, keep saying all the time, well, it's a slow night, it's down, free to wear, it's dying. I mean, we need to look in 2022 where these figures are at. So 500,000, for yeah. example, might be a, a acceptable night. 700,000 now is actually really good. And 300,000, for example, might be, might be a slow night. So and we as need the to numbers, add, the goalposts have moved. As the numbers shrink, 100%. so too the margins about what is acceptable shrink. So it becomes even tighter. Yeah. Yep. I think we're all, despite all the rummaging, I think we're sort of in the same area. All right, let's open the TV binge box and find out what everybody has been watching. Philip Kosh, what have you been watching? A bit of this and a bit of that. I've been continuing. Oh, thank you. All right, Sarah, over to you. <laughs> I, mentioned, I mentioned a show called Billy the Kid uh, a couple of weeks ago. I've kept watching that and... Um, it's a really fantastic show, and one of the one of the main characters is Jesse Evans, who uh, was yet another gunslinger, and he is played by a young Aussie actor called David called Daniel Weber, uh, and he's pretty good. And just it's filmed in Canada, but you get to see a lot of beautiful countryside, you know, men on horses, few, two gun battles, all that sort of stuff. Uh, so that that continues to be really good. Um, Oh, I checked out Hacks Season 2. I don't know if anyone's familiar with this show on Stan. Mm -hmm. I've seen the ads. It was a big hit the first season, and I loved it. I thought it was really funny. Season 2, not so much. I've only watched two episodes, but I just found it really flat and sort of boring, like they were almost dialing it in. That's not good. I've been holding off jumping into that because it took... No, no, but it took most of Season 1 for me to get on board with Hacks. Like, up until episode eight, I was like, nah, this is bullshit. Um, but then they won me over. And when the way that they ended, I went, right, so episode two, sorry, season two, episode one has to be a winner and it doesn't sound great. Look, it's great. It's been, it's been panned by some of the critics. It just, I don't know, it just seems to wander on. And I don't know, I can't recommend it. I'm going to keep watching it because I did love the first season. And then the other one I took a look at was a new series called The Lincoln Lawyer on Netflix. Uh, this is based on a Michael Connolly novel called The Brass Verdict, and it's based around a, an attorney called Mickey um, Waller, I think. And this is a series from the same movie. The, 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 there was a movie called this, wasn't there? There was a Matthew McConaughey movie, yeah. which was based on a different book by the same author. And but he did play Mickey. Let me just check this guy's name, Mickey. 
Mickey Two Face. Mickey Haller. Sorry, I was having a mental black. Mickey Haller. Look, I don't know. I just think it's a hopeless ca- case of bad casting. The lead <laughs> character. If you've read the book, you just can't see the actor who's a. Uh, a Mexican actor who's, who's quite well known. He's handsome. He ticks all those leading men boxes, but he just doesn't feel like the same character as the book. So I found that a little bit frustrating. Aussie Angus Sampson is in that as well, just BT dubs. There you go. Sarah. Oh, so we had a double dose of Brad Pitt uh, with the in-laws uh, trying to find PG stuff that we watch. <laughs> so we watched World War Z. Dude, It's I'm serious. It needs to be PG. That's hilarious. Um, World War Z and seven years in Tibet. And then uh, once I was on my own and could watch adult things, um, I watched the morning show on Apple TV, uh, Flack on Hulu. And um, then I also watched some of the Big Brother because it got the screening room, so I'm very excited about that. Um, and that was it. Ah, uh, yes, I too have been watching the Big Brother. I'm a little surprised because uh, on the screening room, they're not the final episodes. They're um, preview screeners with um, not everything ready to go, considering this was shot in November. It's amazing how tight the turnaround <laughs> becomes when they when they start broadcasting. But I've been watching it. I love, I think this season is just to die for. I, I can't get enough of it. The uh, audience doesn't agree with you, Rob. I know. Well, the catch-up and TV figures aren't too bad. <laughs> but I, I, you know what? I can only say what I like. And I like it. I love um, hearing what you like, Rob. Yes. So that's on Channel 7, of course. Uh, I think Gogglebox might have finished a couple of weeks ago, but we just caught up on the final episode this week and we love it on Foxtel. Um, I've been watching the Kanye West documentary on Netflix, Genius, <laughs> and I'm not a Kanye West fan. This is fascinating. Abby, our producer, recommended this to me. It is really, really fascinating, fascinating. But the big show that we have to talk about is coming to binge and it's The Time Traveller's Wife. I have devoured the first five episodes. I've got one more episode to go. Stephen Moffat is the executive producer from Doctor Who. It's all timey-wimey, of course. Uh, if you've watched the movie, there is a book. Who reads? But Spoilers. I have seen the mo- Sorry, <laughs> there. I I did. I loved the movie. I loved the movie with Eric. It was Eric Benner, wasn't it, in the movie? Yes. Yeah. But this series is just goes in different directions. I I have seen a couple of bad reviews, and there was um someone I can't remember the publication who did a time traveling review, but she didn't really like it. I disagree. I I just think it's great, and I've just been compelled, and even the family ended up devouring it with me. And the only reason we didn't watch the final episode was because it was 11.30 at night and my eldest daughter had school the following day and I had work and so we didn't watch it. I love it. Malk. Well, buckle in, friends. you got three weeks of catch-up. No, I won't be. I won't. Oh, there's two no. that I'll lean into. There's two that I'll <laughs> lean into, but I'm um, very happy with the outcome of Lego Masters, uh, the winners last night. Henry and Joss, mm. very deserving winners. Phenomenal and a great yeah. season again. Well done, Channel 9. You can't ask that season seven. I am devouring uh, the preview eps. That's coming to the ABC next Wednesday. Um, 
phenomenal. Uh, like the the whole premise where they ask people what they do. There's an episode around gay men. There's an ep- episode around people with dementia. There's an episode around porn stars. There's an episode around bogans. It just doesn't get more broad than that. And I I think it's a very thin Venn diagram sliver where all those four intersect. Um, the Responder on SBS starring Martin Freeman was six episodes of cracking British drama. Um, I think that's on SBS On Demand if you want to catch up with it. What what a twosome Channel 10 have with now, have you been paying attention, returning for its 10th season, and the cheap seats in season, what are we, two um, on, on Channel 10? Brilliant. It's just such fun television, even though one really does look like the, the younger brother of the other. Um, it's bloody beautiful fun and, and full credit to Working Dog for just pumping out some great stuff. The two I want to talk about, I have started devouring, super pumped, the battle for Uber on Paramount+. Plus. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt stars as um, Travis Kalanick, the man who created the monster that is Uber. And this is the tale of basically his undoing. Um, phenomenal. Great performances. Elizabeth Shue pops up as his mum. And I just went, oh, man, I crushed on her heart in Cocktail. What is going on? <laughs> um, the other one that I'm absolutely loving sick, uh, of course, is uh, Better Call Saul. Season, the first part of the final season finishes next week. This is delightful, uh, dark television on Stan, and so much so that it prompted me to start re-watching Breaking Bad with my 17-year-old son, who hasn't yet seen it. He's watched the first episode with me, and we have a date with five seasons of goodness. Aaron, what have you been watching? Well, Mog stole my thunder. I'm just absolutely loving the one-two punch as well of of Have You Been Paying Attention on Mondays and the Cheap Seats on Tuesdays. Um, We talked about people watching, you know, TV in different ways in 2022, but this is one show that I actually obviously grabbed the Pringles, turned on the uh, free-to-wear live and watched these shows on Monday and Tuesday night. They're awesome. Lots of fun. Obviously, Big Brother, just um, awesome, loving it. Tully, Drew, Sam thing. It's just like maths at the, at the moment, <laughs> full on. Um, so, yeah, still doing the eviction interviews um, on TV Black Box. Oh, they're so, great, by the way. Fantastic. Well really enjoy it. Just watch, just listen to the Layla one today. And you breaking the news that um, Tim didn't vote for her was hilar- hilarious in a way. Yeah. Um, and did you catch me singing? I actually did a little Leela with her on there. Just to, just to see how juvenile people are and wondered if men actually use that uh, as a pickup line on her, you know, singing that to her. And unsurprisingly, the answer is no. They, people do it all the time. So there you go. Um, and the other one I, I previewed was Celebrity Apprentice. Um, who thought you would be able to compare this one to maths as well? Yes. There was so much bitchiness and backstabbing. Um, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say this, but it's if you think I'm talking about the women, you'd be wrong. That's not a spoiler. That's all right. Um, guys, before we wrap up this sucker, there's a bit of breaking news uh, affecting Channel 10 because Warren Buffett has acquired about $2.6 billion worth of stock in Paramount Global. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. 
that the deal instantly makes Buffett one of the largest outside investors in the company. Wow. Now, why this is a big deal, says The Hollywood Reporter, is because it's a big deal because even though Paramount Plus is facing stiff competition from the likes of Disney, Netflix and Warner Brothers, he is also a major investor in other companies like Apple Plus, but is known for buying companies that he believes will be long-term winners or are undervalued by the market a bullish sign for Paramount. So I'm sure we're going to be reading a bit more about this in the coming days, but that is an interesting one and brings some cash reserves to Paramount, but um, shows that someone believes in the company. Well, it's also very trendy right now for all of the billionaires to uh, own media. Although uh, media stocks in the US are going down, especially streamers are on the nose in on Wall Street Everything's at the moment. going down. It's such a bear market right now. Yeah, but 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 specifically streamers, Netflix is um, the the whole Netflix thing has had a flow on effect that Wall Street is it, they're almost like streaming is out of favour now. So this is a really interesting buy by Warren Buffett. I think with uh, with Paramount too in, in Australia, I've always said this. I, I honestly think that Channel Ten is is undervalued. When we when we look at those shares and stuff every night, they're obviously down, but they have big holes in their schedule. Um, obviously Saturday nights, obviously with the with the bloody soccer and then of course they can't compete against seven news and nine news but i mean look at have you been paying attention and the cheap seats and goggle box they often win that sort of eight thirty nine yeah. o'clock slot five bedrooms is coming back in and masterchef as we've spoken is holding its own against lego masters and big brother so when you look at the where the big money's going in in with advertising channel 10 are right up there but because they are so 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 poor between six and seven thirty um when we read their daily shares we keep saying a 10.5 percent or 11 percent share with and seven you know nine are on 20 something percent but yeah if you look at those time slots i think paramount is is hugely undervalued but that is because 10 ripped the heart out of that newsroom yeah and took millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars out of it they have reaped what they've sown yeah they've absolutely gutted it that budget has been decimated year on year since cbs now paramount took over and and on the, uh, on the streaming front, just before we do wrap it up, what is interesting is Netflix now looking at live streaming. Oh, my God, who had that idea for a whole live plus streaming channel? Everyone listens to this podcast. Netflix, give me a call. I've got the budgets. I've got the spreadsheets. I can tell you how to do it. Can someone I can ring bring the bell, live streaming, please? a whole live streaming channel to Netflix. Netflix Live. You know it makes sense. Hang on, I've just got to ring Amanda and get her to ring the bell. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Rob McKnight. Thank you for joining us on this edition of TV Black Box. Don't forget, for the latest breaking news, and go. you can go to the place where people in the industry get their news. It's TV Black Box. My thanks to Ben Fordham for his little cameo appearance at the beginning. Thank you, Sarah. I will see you all in real life next week. Indeed. Aaron, Philip and Mark, we'll see you next week too. Thank you. The hate mail's coming, Ben Fordham. <laughs> Don't forget to vote. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.